2: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me is Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up?
1: Ah, shit. Here we go again.
2: Six-game losing streak for the Brooklyn Nets. Lost tonight to the Orlando Magic, 89-101. Before we get started, always a quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, how do you feel about this loss? Was it similar to all the games on the losing streak, or this one a little bit different, or it's just the same vibe?
1: I mean, we can probably copy and paste some of the audio that we had from the other episodes. Nick, you know, Torian Prince performed poorly. The bench provided a spark at times. Joe Harris was good. Spencer Dimity, you know, attacked at times. But again, our centers were bad. There's just, it's just so much more of the same. It's just like, you know, that old uh, i can't remember if it was Einstein or who it was that saying where it's like if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect the same result that's the definition of an insanity and it seems to me what's happening with this book and nets team and i don't know how to change it i'm not a i'm not a coach i'm not paid the big bucks for that you know we just paid to talk about it on a podcast Let's <laughs> have a little bit of fun with that but oh man not fun not fun
2: And I think you're right, Jack. It's felt like the same win. They keep trying to do the same thing. And it worked, you know, last month. They got a couple wins. But now in this losing streak, nothing is working. Garrett Temple, Torian Prince are struggling. And like we've talked about a lot, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan aren't playing at the same level. Do you want to see Coach Kenny kind of make some, you know, irrational changes or some sporadic changes to the lineups or rotations?
1: Yeah, sporadic, I think, is a good word for it. Nick. Irrational is it's almost the opposite of that because the, what is happening right now, we're getting the same result after expecting to do the same thing. You know, when the starters came back in after a, a nice little sort of bench run in, you know, in the late third and early fourth, the, it, the, the offense just crated. And I know a lot of other people who are as learned, if not more learned than us, have, you know, advocated for the same thing. Putting guys out like there that, that are deserving those minutes that are warranting that play. You know, Rodon's only playing 12 minutes. It isn't enough for me. You know, Wilson Chandler was okay, but I don't think he deserved to play more minutes. TLC was good in moments. Um, he, you know, he bounced back a little bit. You know, DJ, uh, again, you know, you get what you get from him. But in terms of just the, the flow that is happening right now, and maybe that changes when we get, you know, Carlos Avert back. But, you know, I'm not expecting a win against OKC, who, you know, right now are are a little bit down to Philly, but to me are a far superior team to what the Brooklyn Nets are right now.
2: Yeah. And I mean, they're playing good basketball then tonight. They're, you know, a playoff seed in the West right now. So it's going to be a tough matchup. And right now, just guys aren't stepping up. And you brought up a great point, Jack. We kind of talked about it off air. It's like, Guys are most entitled to minutes instead of giving minutes to guys who are playing better that night. And that's what we saw a lot last season was Kenny gave it to whoever had the hot hand or whoever's just playing really good defense at times. And we're not really seeing that anymore. Like Torian Prince, we've kind of talked about, continues to get minutes, even though maybe a guy like Rodion has
1: provided more of a spark for the team. Torian Prince, 2 of 11 from the field, 2 of 9 from 3. Continues to rebound okay, had a couple of assists, couple of steals, but was minus 17 for only six points. Whereas, very nice, cool. 12 minutes, three of five from the field. One of two from three, had seven points himself. So, I mean, you, you compare the pair, you know, double the minutes and, you know, you didn't necessarily give us double the production. You know, him and Garrett Temple combined for four of 24 from the field. Yeah, Which is, you're not going to win a lot of games when that happens. You are not. 3 of 17 from 3. I mean, the team overall was pretty putrid from the field and from 3 anyway. 10 of 47 from 3 and 33.3% from the field. Another disgusting offensive night for, for the Nets.
2: And the worst part is, it's not like these are really hard looks or contested shots. A lot of the time, they're missing wide open looks you know, Garrett Temple, Torian Prince are really, really in a slump and it's impacting the offense dramatically.
1: It is. And it is to a very large extent. And, you know, you expect, we expect more from them. I think Garrett Temple is doing, you know, really well in the defense end, but I think the fact that we've spoken time and time again, I think it is the, the cracks are starting to show. He is being given... Too much of assignments on both ends of the floor to, for him. Expected to perform adequately at both. You know, if you want him to be a, a somewhat a defensive stopper, you can't expect him to run the offense on the end of the on the other end of the floor with the second unit. It's just too much. And you know, I think some of that has to be the brunt of the blame has to be thrown to coach Kenny and the coaches. You know, it's it's just too much for a guy who's, you know, age 33, you know, in, uh, an absolute veteran and is doing fine on the d- defensive end of the floor. But, you know, he's just lost that offensive edge. You know, he's shooting the threes. He looks fine, but he's missing those open shots as is Torian Prince. And I think I'm more, and I know you put out a poll, Nick, and, and my vote was quite clearly for Torian Prince, the player who I'm most worried about.
2: Yeah and that was the favorite I'll double check it right now but when I first uh, put that out it was 77% Torian and Prince because like you said jack we know what garrett temple is this is no surprise he never was expected to come in and be a starter he was always a rotation guy a complimentary piece he wasn't even probably supposed to be a secondary creator which they're asking him to be right now and sometimes the main creator for that second unit torian prince on the other hand is a guy you wanted to see get better he showed flashes early in the season but instead of trying to find some consistency he's been almost even worse than what we've expected from him and to give you the results on the poll currently 75 percent for torian prince the other two options were garrett temple and Jared Allen, and also another option that has zero.
1: You know, a bit of a glaring stat, Nick, and just looking at the game log, three games in a row now for Torian Prince that he hasn't attempted a free throw. And, yeah. and, and for me, that just speaks volumes. There's just too many games, and looking just right now at, at his game log in general he should be attempting at least one or two a game. And it just shows that one, he's tentative in terms of when he gets into the paint, he he just doesn't know what to do or he throws up shots and he's just afraid of getting contact. And then other times he just turns the ball over. It's just a a bit of an aberration on his end for a guy who is strong, uh, athletic and, and you know, offensively gifted in a lot of ways, but he's not showing those, uh, he's not being able to reap the rewards in any sense of the imagination.
2: Yeah, it's like whenever he drives to the rim, like you mentioned, it's either a turnover, a step back, or some type of euro step that seems to never work instead of kind of attacking the rim, especially against guys that aren't always necessarily bigger than him. He has some good size to him, and I think that's always been a knock on him. He's not aggressive enough when attacking the rim, just getting to the line. Sometimes guys don't like contact, and maybe that's the case for him.
1: Yeah, it's – I don't know. Yeah, for me, I mean, it's such an important part of – the Nets offense. And for Toyin Prince, who is a three-point shooter, when you have your three-point shot on and you can drive to the lane, it just changes the dynamic of your offense. Joe Harris, Exhibit A, a guy who doesn't have the athletic gifts that Toyin Prince does, but has a solid and fundamental game to drive. And he isn't afraid of getting blocked. He's able to just focus on one play at a time. I think the mentality of Torian Prince is, you know, I know you harped on it a little bit in the last episode, Nick. It is starting to remind me a little bit more now of Alan Crabb. And, you know, he's in a funk of sorts. And the only thing that he's doing well right now, at least to some extent, is rebounding. And, you know, I think that the fact that he's rebounding the ball well, it doesn't necessarily change the game in any sense of the imagination.
2: Yeah, it's not a huge impact. It's still, you know, a slight positive. I thought tonight he did do a a decent job getting his hands in the passing lanes. He had a couple steals in there. But his offensive impact, like we kind of talked about, it really hurts a team when he's not knocking down threes because the spacing gets very limited for that starting lineup. Obviously, Jared Allen doesn't shoot threes. We mentioned Garrett Temple struggles, Torian Prince struggling. Now you really only have to kind of contest Joe Harris because Spencer did when he has the ball in his hands what seems
1: like 80% of the time. Yeah, and Joe Harris was still three of seven from three. So, you know, when you're above or around that 35, 40% range, you know, even on a bad night, you know, we know Joe Harris is, uh, I thought he was the best player for the Nets tonight. What did you think, Nick? I mean, I'm always going to be biased about Joe, but, you know, trying to be as objective as possible. He was like the only guy for the Nets offense in the first half. You know, Spencer was a little bit aggressive uh, in that third quarter and that second unit to provide a nice little spark. But I thought Joe Harris overall was the most consistent performer.
2: Yeah, he was the best player in his role. You know, obviously he wasn't didn't have the same type of duties as Spencer Dinwiddie, but what they asked Joe Harris to do, I thought he played a really good game. And you mentioned three of seven. He also hit a couple of contested shots. They were doing a great job kind of chasing him off screens. But early on in that first quarter, I felt like he gave the team good energy to help get that offense running. But then they lost that momentum, and they never really got it back.
1: They, di- they didn't. They didn't. And, you know, a, a nice couple of steals and a block as well. I thought that, you know, overall he was the, the Nets' best performer. And, you know, I thought Spencer uh, was really. tentative and and a a bit you know not focused on the right things you know i I get frustrated at him sort of just arguing in every single freaking call like you know if lebron james is going to argue about the man and spencer you just gotta you know shut up sometimes and tonight was just one of those nights where he just needed to just focus on on the performance and put the rest behind him but you know that third quarter certainly did give us a little bit of a spur, get us back into the game but you know not one of spencer's best games
2: yeah especially i mean he missed a lot of threes in this game i didn't think he took too many bad shots he just wasn't knocking them down to ten from deep that hurts and like you mentioned he wasn't getting the calls What he shows me he can do sometimes when he's not getting the calls we saw in that third quarter early on. He attacked Vucevic, and he pretty much created the contact. And the ref was going to be forced to make a call or a no call. He didn't call nothing. Spencer created the contact so he was able to finish instead of allowing the the defensive player to kind of interfere with him. I like when Spencer's trying to enforce his way in the game instead of kind of trying to get the calls.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. There's a, there's a, a massive discrepancy in both of those ones. But uh, I guess we we always like to discuss the centers before we get to the bench, <laughs> Nick. Uh, the same old, same old from uh, our two big guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what's up with Jared Allen. He just seems like a different player than what we saw than that guy in the winning streak getting, you know, those twenty twenty games or just dominating the boards. It's just like... He's not playing with the same energy, and I don't think he's playing with the same engagement either. Because, like, offensively, he did a great job last month finding those open spaces to get hit for those dunks. We're not seeing that. Obviously, the defense has probably stepped up a touch, but you like to see Jared Allen be more active.
1: Yeah, the defense probably has stepped up because, you know, if a guy is going to be averaging double-doubles and getting 15 boards a night, you're obviously going to want to adjust the the defensive schemes of sorts. And it's not that the Orlando Magic, Nikola Vucevic and, you know, Kem Birch and Aaron Gordon and, and Mo Bamba have, you know, an insane amount of extra talent in terms of their big men over guys like Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. But, you know, he did, you know, provide a couple of offensive boards, his offensive game is just below average. You know, he's just not a good finisher when it comes to, and I think some of it is just that he never looks for contact in that sort of way. And, and both of our guys, in terms of not to label them, a, the, the way they're playing right now, they are playing weak basketball as big men.
2: Yeah, they are. And Jared, you mentioned just not being a good offensive player. Like he's good on the oops, setting the screens, but finishing inside when he doesn't have momentum is a real struggle for him. He just always seems rushed. And most of the time he has some type of advantage. Maybe it's not strength, but it's length and athleticism. He should be able to get up over the guy in front of him, but he just doesn't feel comfortable in that role. And you'd like to see that kind of progress more because obviously it's his third year in the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I don't. We're saying the same things about Jared <laughs> Allen, so I think we can only say so much. I think DeAndre is more frustrating because he is what he is, and the guy, like I, I think you've mentioned before, Nick, wears just cement shoes. Sometimes it's just like he doesn't actually jump. Yeah, it's like some games
2: he just does not have the juice to move or the energy, or maybe he's lazy. I don't know what it is. It's like if the Nets are going to be handed this DeAndre Jordan for the next couple seasons that second unit is going to have to have a lot of athletes on it because DeAndre is not going to move.
1: He only moves offensively when there's an oop where there is a chance for an alley-oop. I feel like Rodion's Wilson... Torian Prince, all these guys jump for those rebounds. They show a little bit of force and a little bit of energy, whereas DJ just waits for it. And sometimes he might stick a hand out to box someone out, but a lot of the times he gets, you know, just out-muscled and he he provides more energy on the offensive boards. And I I don't know whether those machines on his knees aren't doing the right (laughs) job at this stage which, um, you know, I think that, who knows? But he's just uh, just a frustrating player, Nick. But the bench did provide some... I just want to say
2: one more thing about DeAndre, Jack. I think, like, moving forward, I would not be surprised if DeAndre was on load management for the rest of his contract. Maybe not this year, but next year, especially if Nick Claxton can play and he can get put into the rotation. Because if you recall, like, we saw earlier in this year, I think it was against Boston, he rested a few games, then he came back and he was really spry. He just might be up there in age. Like, big guys can hit time very quickly and he just might need that extra rest
1: he might he might and uh, that's certainly you know I think he was um, questionable and then upgraded to probable for tonight's game so he'll certainly be one to manage and the fact that the Nets do have Nick Claxton in the wings and because there's so I mean there's so much poor performance from our big guys it can't hurt to throw Nick Claxton some minutes he's shown some spurts uh in some performances this year but The bench overall, Nick, you know, I thought Kurutz and and TLC and even Musa. I I thought despite the fact that, you know, he only hit one field goal, I really liked his control and his aggression out there. Uh, I thought that those two combined were a little bit better. Theo Pinson, we don't necessarily have to speak about him, though.
2: Yeah, I think Theo Pinson was the only guy that really stuck at it being bad. You know, he just had a couple of iso possessions that, you know, you don't want to see. But Musa, I liked what he did on the board, you know, drawing those two fouls. I thought that was big. That's his way to have an impact on the game without scoring. And that's how you get minutes and kind of still provide some value to your team when your shot's not falling down. So maybe he's learning being in and out of the rotation. We kind of already talked about rodeons. One thing I really like from Rodion's in this game is how aggressive he was on DJ Augustine, picking him up full court that helped force that uh, turnover, even though Wilson Chandler ended up turning it over anyways. So, that type of stuff. TLC, you know, he's a young kid. We've seen the flashes. I think there was one reverse driver where he like contorted yeah. his body. That was probably his best play I've ever seen from him in the NBA so far. But um, overall, they had a nice energy. And like, even in the first half, they weren't bad. But in that second half, especially late third quarter, early fourth quarter, they got the Nets back in the game. And it looked like they had a real shot because of the bench and the starters couldn't match their energy.
1: It was the Nets' only good quarter. The third quarter, the Nets scored 32 points. And then the second and fourth, they combined for 35 points. So it shows that sometimes, you know, we get these flash in the pan performances and we kind of have to make the most of it um nick would you have kept those the bench guys in for a little bit longer because we saw how much the offense did stagnate when our starter did come back in
2: yeah it's really tough to say i would have considered uh maybe not keeping i definitely would have brought spencer and joe harris back in i think they're the two guys that need to be back in and then the jared allen deandre jordan um it's tough to say i think deandre might have done a better job on vucevic but the nets defensive scheme on him wasn't bad the entire game I kind of mentioned to you, I would have kind of wanted to see Rodion's out there late in the game. I thought he provided some good energy and could have helped his team and give him a spark. And then even TLC, you know, like Garrett Temple and Torian Prince really weren't playing well. I think going with one of the bench guys late wouldn't have been the worst thing, considering they've lost five straight with that closing lineup.
1: Yeah, it seems to me in, in some stretches we, we see a rigid sort of mindset from Coach Kenny. Sometimes we see these, you know, these different moments where he throws things out Then it's just like, why not? And sometimes, you know, we, we see, you know, performances and rewards from that. Tonight, you know, he, he wasn't as flexible and, you know, he didn't get the results as we sort of harked back to a little bit earlier. You know, I'm, I'm really impressed with what Rodion's is doing and I think he's deserving of more than 12 minutes a night. You know, we, we sort of said, you know, he had 17 and 18 we wanted him to see him closer to that 20 minute mark and I certainly think he's playing better basketball than Torian Prince in a lot of stretches you know obviously uh, his three ball you know fundamentally isn't as good as toyin Prince's, but he's hitting it and it does actually look a lot better than it has uh, in, in last season I think just you know he has some nice arc on it he looks confident he's playing really good defense pesky road gives me life as I put on the OTG account and you know those sneaky cuts are, are pretty fun too
2: yeah, I like the peskiness. I like that just providing an impact defensively, making the other team feel you to some extent. You know, sometimes he'll commit those stupid fouls, but for the most part, getting under somebody's skin can provide some type of impact for your defense that's been pretty bad over the last couple of weeks too. So just overall, you know, I want to see some type of change. Would you like to see a starting lineup change for the next game?
1: Yeah, but I think Coach Kenny is, isn't is going to do it. I think he's going to go with his guys. But if, if he does stick to the same five. I want to, obviously, I want to see, you know, extended minutes for Karis LeVert, but I also want to see if toyin Prince isn't performing, isn't showing energy, isn't rebounding, isn't hitting his threes, don't Rody out there straight away. Do something early. Be proactive in uh, that sense of the imagination and sometimes like I sort of said you know we see the rigidity we see the, the lack of flexibility he's reacting he's not being proactive in, in a lot of sense of the word but you know coach Kenny can only do so much I've said that a million times for me it's always on the players but you know he can do some things and he can be proactive in terms of his rotations he hasn't been doing that a- enough of late and you know six straight losses and a lot of the same things are happening in these losses offensive stagnation lapses on the defensive end you know guys on hitting shots from three i don't know what else more you can do kenny but you know you have to try and change things if you want to actually get a different result
2: yeah no i agree because the chemistry with these units just doesn't seem very smoother in sync you know sometimes the second unit looks smoother than the starters and they've been playing a lot of games together I'd like to see the change up. Maybe that's even putting Karos back in the starting lineup, depending on his minutes restriction, or maybe it's putting Rodeons in that starting lineup and adding Prince to the bench and giving some more spacing in that second unit, even though he's not da- knocking down a shot. Maybe he'll be able he'll feel more confident going against second unit guys.
1: Yeah, I mean the the something has to change, Nick. You know, this is reminiscent of last season where the Nets went on that, you know, horrible losing streak and then something did change. There was a catalyst for change. Maybe Kairosavirt can provide that. Maybe he does get 25 minutes rather than 15 minutes. You know, I, I don't necessarily... Uh, I know Jared Dudley spoke out and, and was great in terms of defending the, the, the training staff and and the medical staff in, in Brooklyn. But, you know, we know Kairosavirt is healthy now. We know it's just a thumb injury. And I understand, you know, the back-to-back and having him back for home. But from now on, you know, we need Karis Avert probably more than we need any other player. Obviously, Karis, um, it'd be nice to have Kyrie and KD, but that's, you know, probably a, a more distant and future ahead of us, but Karras right now can change, you know, the look and the sync of this team. I mean, there's only 10 guys, you know, that essentially play in this rotation. You take one of them out or you throw Karras in there to just provide a sense of stability. His first game was really good. You know, I hope he comes back against OKC, who have a, a plethora of really talented guards themselves that we're going to have to try and match up against. It's going to be an interesting game. And, you know, they did lose to Philly going down 113 120. So they're going to be motivated, you know, the back-to-back for both teams doesn't necessarily matter because OKC is coming from Philly that uh, uh, coming back from Philly and, and it's just a bus right away. Nets come back from Orlando so it might be a little bit of a plane ride but uh, both teams are going to want to get a win. The Nets probably need a little bit more but OKC are going to be motivated and their talent is just better than the Nets right now in terms of and the way they're performing the way they're playing you know the leadership from Chris Paul that uh, I'm not confident in any sense of the imagination that the Nets can pull out a W but I'm more than happy to be wrong.
2: Yeah, they have a lot of high basketball IQ players on that OKC team. and That's the type of team that can expose a lot of young players that have to play or if you're not playing fundamental basketball and playing the right way. So the Nets need to come ready. And like you said, Jack, they really need to win. Do you want to touch on anything else before we get out of here?
1: I was just going to say, Steven Adams is going to absolutely bully our big guys if they're not really switched on because he is an absolute monster. And he's physical, but he's also incredibly clever and crafty on the offensive boards.
2: And same thing for Chris Paul with our guards. You know they're yeah. not in the game. Their heads not in the game. Even uh, SGA. You know he's gonna, he's been having a really good season this year too. So uh, the Nets are going to need to come prepared if they want to get a W against OKC. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue iPods.
0: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters.